Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Everybody Loves Tom. I'm very excited today because I have one of the most famous doctors on the planet. In fact, the most famous doctor on the planet, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Drew. And I love Tom. Yes. <laughs> Thus I'm here. Controversial take lately. <laughs> How yeah. dare you? Yeah. First of all, in your, I want to get your medical opinion uh, right off the bat. All um, right. How do I look? You look good. I mean, I, I you know, like I let card again. No, How's but listen, but it's, it's I don't I, I noticed you had a before the mics heated up. There was a little conversation about style and I thought not my thing. Not, I, not my things. I, my wife does everything. She really? Just, yeah. yeah. I think you look she, great, she man. Takes, I, if we're not for her, it'd be pathetic. Yeah. So, But but listen, uh, last time I saw you was at the reunion for Special Forces, right? And that's where we met. We'd never really met before that. Yeah, it was. It was and we scene. share that heritage of having done Special Forces, which is weirdly bonding. Yes. Right? Even though I wasn't in the snow with you guys. It's just this incredible experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nothing else. He taught you about it? Yeah, he told me all about it. So it's kind of a, a trauma bond. Yes. It's a trauma it's yeah. trauma bonding, but it's almost like, you know, hoorah, right? I you, you know, yeah. I see you've been there. All right, yeah. we, we got something in common. Exactly. It, yeah, it, you it, were it, you were in the sand. You were in the I was heat. in the desert. It was so fucked up. It was such a mess. Dude, I, I was I out can't. quick with a heat stroke, brain swelling, all kinds of stuff. Whoa. And I was in the I was in the ICU. In a Jordanian hospital, and the bed next to me was Kate. Kate Gosling. She, she was the same. I see you. We got we got taken out fast. Man. There were there was like six of us in the hospital within the first couple of days. That heat, I, I'm sure it's just. Well, it's I was so I was noticing that when you guys get back, you get you get warm up tents. You have a tent you have, in your yeah. cabins. You had fire. I'm like. God, if we could go somewhere and cool off, it would have been like Yeah, you guys were just out in it, the tent was hotter tent. than the tent was hotter than the yeah. out in the sun. I've had a tent in my backyard, so I, I know that just having a tent in my it's backyard not, it's not, in the it's summer not good. is miserable. <laughs> miserable. Miserable. Where where'd you grow up? Um I grew up in uh, St. Louis. Outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Is that where the tent was, or was it no, out here? No, no, here, out like here. in LA. But did you come out here for television? Um I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, T V and acting, which is which is crazy because, you know, I was looking at your, um, and obviously you specialize in addiction mm-hmm. and you went to med school mm-hmm. um, and, and got your doctorate. And I'm thinking, you know, as you're in med school, are you are you sitting there thinking to yourself like, wow, I hope one day. No, zero. This will uh, no. turn into a, yeah. a, a TV. No, <laughs> zero, zero thoughts. Wouldn't even know what you were talking about. So so I started doing radio during my fourth year of medical school because Anthony Fauci was yelling at us young guys to get out there and educate about this thing that we just started calling AIDS. Wow. And it was, and we were, Fauci I was. back then. Yeah, yeah. He was my hero for most of my career. And he, um. And we were we were just like hand over fist with AIDS patients, and here I was a fourth year medical student, telling young men every day that they had six months to live. You know, it was it was wow. brutal, and and I had this opportunity to go on the radio, and I went on the radio, and I, I was bamboozled that young people had never heard of this thing. No one was talking to them about it. It was unbelievable. To it me. was hush hush. So, it was only and highly stigmatized, stigmatized, only gay men, yeah. And so I thought, oh man, I got to keep coming back. So I just said, can I, can, I, can I come back and just answer questions? And I just did it, did it one night a week for ten years for free. I thought I was doing community service, and uh, and then all of a sudden I went to five nights a week, and all of a sudden it's a job, and then all of a sudden these TV guys showed up. It, it's really funny when in about nineteen. 
probably about 92 or 93, I remember I was talking to someone. He goes, what do you want to be doing in 10 years? I remember so thinking. We got, so we got like crisscross playing on the radio. No, it's it's K-Rock here because oh, that became a big thing overnight here locally. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that was uh, Culture Club and Haircut 100 and okay. Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> yeah, that, right. That's what was on the radio when I got involved with radio. But radio was so powerful back then. Mm. You have no idea. It was this, Oh, yeah, I, I remember. You're barely old enough to really know. Yeah, yeah. It was culturally like how you defined yourself. You know, how you had the people organize themselves around the radio events and blah, blah, blah. But in 93 or so, I remember somebody going, well, what do you want to be doing in 10 years? And I remember thinking, certainly not radio. Because <laughs> I was doing medicine like 14 hours a day for decades. I mean, I was just full. I was doing inpatient medicine, ICU medicine, outpatient medicine then i ran departments in a psychiatric hospital for many years so, and so it was so, crazy yeah, stuff i was curious too yeah. when you said about um aids uh you know there mm -hmm. are there have been you know conspiracies that like it was created yeah and, well, yeah Nonsense. i always found it i know i i, I agree I, I i lived through a lot of that bullshit too am i allowed to cuss yeah. here yeah. yeah of course and, and, and E, e, you know, like for instance, the Dallas Buyers Club, right? Everyone knows the Dallas Buyers Club, right? They were great when we had nothing to offer. We had nothing to offer these poor men. It was yeah. so dark, you have no idea. And if they wanted to go down and, and you know get something that made them feel better, please, by all means, go do that. But I, I was there when we opened the first boxes of AZT. I was there. And we were like, oh my God, we have something to offer these guys. And we can make them last an extra three months, and maybe in that, well, maybe in those three months, they, uh, it was the first antiviral we used for AIDS, and 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 if we get three more months, maybe we'll come up with another one, you know, and and that's what happened eventually. We you know we get extend their life six months, and then we came up with some other ideas, and uh, it, all this BS about it. And then the Dallas Buyers Club, by the way, became a problem. Because then they started saying, oh, don't listen to anything those doctors are telling you. They're causing AIDS. They're oh. destroying you. They're killing It really was, ugh, I remember so bad. hearing, like, all these things, you know, as a kid about AIDS. And because nobody knew anything about it. And there was all this fear. Well, to be fair to probably your generation, we scared the shit out of you guys. Mm. And we did it quite consciously. Uh, we were like, we expected it to break more into the heterosexual community which it, it never did the way we thought it would, but we thought, well, we got to really emphasize that, that anybody can get this because it's not just because you're gay, you're getting it. I mean, anybody can get it. So it's going to get there like at the time it was spreading through Africa in the heterosexual community. I'm sure you, you can imagine, you know, with all the misinformation that was out there back then. I mean, AIDS? imagine, yeah, with AIDS, oh, yeah, imagine well, what that would have been like with social media today. Oh, <laughs> like, you're right. I mean, Maybe think been, about that. Yeah. I mean, it Brutal. could have been just wow. Brutal. I'm curious, too. I mean, I felt, you know, it would be great to have you on because as somebody who has been dubbed like the ultimate narcissist by yeah. the masses. Yeah. Um, I uh, I took your your test. Yeah. So how deep do you want to get into this conversation? Is everything on the table? Can we go all the way down? I'm. You know what? Yeah, why not? I would think you would. I, I'm looking at you on Special Forces. I was thinking, oh, geez. Yeah. You're, he's, he's ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm used to, so, obviously, as you know, like being on a reality show. So let's, let's toast your Gia yeah, first. Gia. Oh, so cheers. Let's get into this. Aperitif. I'm going to do a little Coors Light. All right, here All we right, go. Cheers, cheers. Here we go. Mm. Mm. It is good. It's like... Um, 
Isn't that good? A little licorice. It's like a uh, Amaro kind of. Yeah. Right? Amaro and also kind of like an Aperol. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. I like the consistency, the viscosity of it. Because a lot so of it. It tastes like, alcohol. it sure is not alcoholic. It tastes like it yeah. should have alcohol in it. Yeah. There's a lot of different botanicals a lot of, in it. A lot of aromatics. So good. Get your gear, everybody. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So, what made you think you're a narcissist? Did you think so before all this shit hit the, the fan? or? Um, I did not actually. Okay. Because okay. I um, I feel like people, you know, like for doing drag one time, I had some, uh, uh, somebody was interviewing me say that that was narcissistic doing drag. All right. Let, let's, let's, people, I feel like people think that somebody who's like a performer yeah. or. So, a, so here's the. Well, I have some actual, I have the only published research on celebrities and narcissism. Mm, and that. one of the things we found is that that reality contestants, back when we did the study, by the way, reality participants tend to be more narcissist than, than other performers. But mostly the women is what we had studied. And the women wow. were way up. Uh, doesn't mean it's still the same now, but that was our findings back then. So you you had, you you're our people you would already be suspect. So people look at a reality part. I don't know what, what word to use anymore. It's like reality star and porn star, kind of this like this star the right word or what do you yeah, what do you call yeah, it anymore? Yeah, a part, reality performer, yeah. whatever, um, uh, or, or suspect of being narcissist already, right? Yeah, and I feel. Like, because I'm so used to being asked about my personal life, because we're on a reality show where I'm encouraged to talk about our feelings and personal yeah, life, all yeah. our details, everything, Yeah. that I end up in conversation just talking about myself a lot. Of course. You know? Yeah. Just you're, you're not habit. Right. I, I talk a lot about medicine because people want me to talk about that. That's why they're talking to me. They're talking to you because you're on a reality show and that's what they want to talk about. Right? Yeah. We've okay. had lighthearted interventions about this, Tom. You make sure to ask people about themselves as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a little narcissistic. They should have to say that. <laughs> but, 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 but let's keep going. Let's go down the roadways. So, so you grew up in St. Louis. How many siblings? Um, I, have, I have a brother, a brother and a stepsister. And your brother's older or younger? He's older. Older. And your family of origin, what were they like? Your parents, uh, biological parents. Oh, they are great. I mean, they divorced early. How old um, were you? I was like seven okay it's sort of a, a tender age for that to happen right yeah um they were always very encouraging okay um, you're, you're zipping right past the divorce was that a painful period um it was a little just weird and bleak but it bleak a little for a seven-year-old bit. bleak's a pretty strong word right seven-year-olds usually very you know bleak is not what you how you describe a seven-year-old's life um i just remember you know, our we were getting ready to move into this like really beautiful house in this nice subdivision, mm-hmm. twin chimneys, and it was a big house. And then you know, it's like my dad ended up staying in this house, you know, in Florissant, and then my mom moved into an apartment, and it just seemed like I don't know, like we were like kind of like what more we were like living more like lower middle class, and then like. Did, what, did you go to the apartment with your mom, or did you stay with your dad? Well, both. Both. So. Yeah. They were both pretty, I mean, obviously there was, you know, intention at first, you know. Do you know what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think my mom just, they, they just kind of maybe grew apart, and my dad maybe became a little bit, I feel weird talking about this. Cause if, if, you, if you don't want to, you don't, you don't have to answer any of my questions. 
It's but only stuff you're like, with. We don't want, and we do not want to hurt anybody else, right? That's the thing is yeah. I don't want to like put anybody yeah. on bus, but you know, like. They, well, what, I, what I'm looking for. What there's I'm, nothing like crazy. What I'm looking for is, is were, were you around cheating and stuff? That cheating is something that happened in intimate relationships in your, in your family um, of origin. My mom did start seeing somebody towards the end of their relationship. So that was the final nail, at least, as far as you know. Which yeah. Which is common, right? When my dad came, was kind of obsessive, compulsive mm. in, in the relationship towards the end. He was a, like checking on my mom, became very insecure. and Sure, you can imagine, right? Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know if that had an effect on me or not. It, it has to have some. I'm not saying it. I'm not being so glib as saying, "Oh, if you're, you know, parents, you're gonna." I'm, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying, hmm, it, it, it's got to affect you, and I don't know how yet. I mean, it's just it's got to affect you, even if it's just a childhood trauma. You know, where you have difficulty being close to people. Or you, we'll sort of talk more. I mean, what what the effect of all that is? Were you otherwise in anything unpleasant growing up? Everything else was okay. Everything was all right. I mean, yeah. me and my brother took karate class. I was cool. Um, I dealt with some. No, so jujitsu right down the street here. Yeah, Are you guys getting involved with that? Or... No, no, no. Okay. Uh, Jack Osborne's been asking me to come roll around. Is that class. is that his place? No. I don't think so, no. but um, I think he's further out, mm. like Van Nuys area. But uh, yeah, I remember dealing with some like insecurity. I kind of like gained weight, and I became a little introverted. How old were you? Uh, fourth grade. So depressed, probably, right? Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, I was. I had trouble like staying awake in class and That's paying depression. attention in class. That's depression. And I would be that, very that, behind. That falling asleep in class and having sleep disruptions. That's depression. Childhood. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Are you been prone to depression? Has that always been the case, or is that maybe a a little bit? Were you depressed in New Zealand? Um. I don't think so. No, you look a little depressed in there. Maybe a little it's bit. It's hard to stay depressed when you're when you're going through all that. Yeah. Right? Are you still numb while you were there? Or did oh, you're you having numbing, numbness feelings. Or no, were you numb while you were filming the show? No. I thought you told me that you kind of felt. What's it? I, I, you're talking about numbness of being under the. You're like hypnotized by the staff. I mean, you're just doing yeah. whatever they tell you. It's like it's the craziest experience. Yeah. You're all. You're. You're not. You're. Numb isn't the right word. <laughs> I guess yeah. I was referring to aftershocks from the whole, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked how busy we were with things because yeah. it got me to not think about. Good, yeah, good. Yeah, kind of what I figured. So, so you had depression. When did you come out of that? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like. You mean like recently or like? In... I mean, did you stay depressed through your adolescence? Did you come I out had, of it? And... I dealt with it. Yeah, during my mm -hmm. adolescence. Uh, you find sports or a, a social group get or back, something? Or? I kind of quit sports younger and I struggle with like, because, you know, it's like you're supposed to play soccer, you're supposed to play baseball. Mm -hmm. I have bad eyesight and then I was afraid of the ball. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I would get nervous playing baseball and sometimes I'd embarrass myself. And then like, then eventually in high school, I I found like uh, wrestling mm -hmm. and track and that was something that I really liked. I Good. did well in pole vaulting. I did well in wrestling. Okay. When did you sort of come out? When did you sort of find yourself, so to speak? You... I found myself in the summer before eighth grade. And what was happening there? There was a key moment, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of funny because Rachel reminds me of this girl 
um it was like my first love mm. basically i went to space camp i know it sounds crazy but i went doesn't to... sound crazy it sounds nerdy yeah. <laughs> my mom took me my mom let me go to space camp because my brother would go to these baseball camps yeah, yeah. and like it's all right it's... so she's like is this something i'm like yeah that sounds cool mm. like and i went and i remember like it was that like age where you know somebody's like oh like do you like this girl no i don't like like whatever and like this guy like threw me under the bus. He was like, Tom, didn't you say you liked Megan? And I was like, I just like remember like it was a key moment in my life mm. where I would have normally been like, dude, shut up and like whatever. But I literally just looked her right in the eyes and I smiled and mm. I said yes. Mm. And like everything from that moment changed. Mm. Like I started, I came out of my shell. I like mm. started like exploring with like believing in myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like my own flavor my own vibe mm-hmm. my own mojo mm-hmm. like i would get into like dance contests when i was a kid like in the talent shows like in in uh saint ferdinand and in, in, in catholic school growing up there would be like 20 girl acts and then one guy act it'd be me and i've won like pretty much every year um but that like really helped me. So so performing sort of so performing was very rewarding for you. Performing helped. It was a way for me to sort of be social. Mm. It was a nice little uh, safety like way or a help like a like a jumpstart to being social with people. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. when I, I came back to school in eighth grade, everything changed. Yeah. Like there were, there would be, you know, the junior high dances mm-hmm. and it would be the guys on one side, the girls on one side. And then like, I basically bridged the gap. So you so were, I became very popular, uh, like uh, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Did it, was there, was there ups and downs with that or just stay like that? It was ups and downs. Yeah. I, it, it kind of what happened to, I feel like Rachel where this, where the pendulum swung, I got overly cocky and confident yeah and so that's the narcissistic stuff okay and that's what people are calling narcissism yeah okay. like it happened though in like eighth grade it happened really early for and me and when in you life. say douche was were you exploiting other people manipulating other people yeah i was like kind of being like i would like lead girls on and then just like like yeah. have my friend like break up with them for mm-hmm. me and like mm-hmm. and then like i would be like only wanting to like date girls in eighth grade mind you mm. like if they were like cool and popular and then if i found somebody cooler and popular like i would ditch them but this happened in a short period of time and then i kind of was like i can't remember the exact moment but i was like this is like not cool and i remember i kind of ended up like ditching this girl that i had a crush on mm. and it was so stupid and i like regretted it so did you find the capacity to empathize with other people do that okay when did that happen like ninth grade i got like ninth grade i kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath me and like all of a sudden everybody started to like hate me and not Mm. like me sounds familiar and so i was like did this just happen a couple months ago (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i i I realized early on and from that point on i became a Mm. much nicer person Mm. um I think people even would like expect me to be a lot more cockier than I was. And Mm -hmm. I became just very like cool and nice and like accepting. And like when when you were in relationships, how did you, how, 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 what were they like? Post eighth grade, Mm -hmm. I was. Give me like more adultish, you know. Yeah. Like from that point on, I was 
pretty cool. I, I, would you would you be scared the person was going to leave you? Would you be insecure? Would you be uh, not care? What, what were your what were you like in romantic relationships? I was pretty fun, adventurous. Hmm. But like, we just didn't care if the other person all of a sudden lost interest, or, I would or were you be, deeply? I was a little insecure sometimes. You keep using that word insecure. What does that mean exactly? Well, like this one girl I was dating in high school, like we were at a dance together, and she ended up making out with my like a friend of mine. Yeah. And then like, I also like used to get really. I used to kind of because I was a good dancer, I would like sneak into clubs and I would be like mm. hanging out with older girls mm. that were like already sexually experienced and mm-hmm. I had no experience sexually and people would see me like because I was such a good dancer and I could move my body they just assumed mm-hmm. that I was like this guru in bed and I had no idea what I was doing and I would get like really nervous and I like couldn't how were you get like an action how old were you I was like 15 16 17 so that's bordering on you know childhood trauma as <laughs> boy you know if you're if you're if you were 14 now you're getting into a zone where your brain can't really manage all that. Yeah. So that's interesting. I would, I had like an issue. Yeah, I just, I had an issue. Like, I didn't want to like, like go too far with girls because like they would just basically expect me to take over and I had no idea what I was doing and I would get really nervous. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oof, sounds all very traumatic. Yeah, I didn't finally get comfortable sexually or finally have a consistent sexual partner until I was like graduated high school and I moved to Chicago. Okay. And I like I never went to college cuz I couldn't stay awake in class. How do you know? Still had trouble staying awake. Yeah. How, how do you know? Uh 40. Okay. And did you have any long-term relationships? I did. Mm. I had a long-term relationship in Chicago. We lived mm. together. Mm. That was it, not great. How did that end? She get really mean and we just I just ended up like I don't know exactly who broke up with who, but was she complaining about anything in particular when she would get mean? I think she had insecurities and she would take it out on me. Insecurities meaning you're you like fe- of, of herself fear that you were going to leave or fear that you were cheating or what do you she mean? She just by- like I don't know. I smoke cigarettes. She's like, if you smoke cigarettes, I don't want to be with you. Huh. Type thing. Like got kind of controlling in that way. And okay, how do you experience Tom? Is this new information? All this stuff? Yeah, I was gonna say I'm kind of riveted. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little quiet, but I'm kind of riveted because we've known each other and we've been through so much together. But I don't know the details of your your origin story or, or some of your trauma. You know, we've only brushed over a lot of this stuff. So I'm, I'm just, I'm. Is it surprising to you? A little bit. Yeah. Why? Yeah. First of all, I'm impressed that you have such a great memory. I'm jealous because <laughs> my 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 youth. My... I, I'm I'm impressed that he's willing to be so self-disclosing which is i think really important but yeah i'm you. a little self-conscious because i'm like i i don't know if like people want to hear this or not so they, they whether they do or they don't they will attack i mean they will have their thoughts about it and that's okay. going to be um but if they do spend the time to listen and attack they spent the time to listen they're interested um i think ultimately understanding each of us as humans makes us more relatable because we all have our shit we just all do, and when we when things happen in, in the present, it, it's it's always attached to that stuff somehow, you know. And so I'm hoping people will be a little more empathetic to you. For instance, um, you took the narcissism test. Mm-hmm. 
you do not measure, you're not measurably narcissistic. Did you see your results? No, I didn't look at, I didn't understand. So you, you, it's a test for narcissistic traits, really. It's not a way of diagnosing a disorder, but it's a way of showing traits. And you actually scored very low, very low. The, The only thing you were slightly up on was vanity. Mm. Vanity. I can see by your fingernails that that's, that's, that's a reasonable measurement of, of something that you're probably interested in, which is your appearance. And we talked about style and all this stuff. So fine. <clears throat> Neither good nor bad. It's just a trait, right? Yeah. And by the way, I, I encourage people always when they get very pejorative and judgmental of traits. Traits. We have traits for reasons as human beings. They, they yeah. uh, they're adaptive in certain situations. So uh, please refrain from being too judgmental. Um, but no, you were a seven. And uh, average in these days is up towards 15, 16. Oh, wow. And so you were actually one of the lower ones I've seen. Wow. Which is interesting. Um, have you ever had any therapy or anything? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And what was that therapy around typically? Because sometimes that will bring the score down. Is it? Um, <clears throat> I mean... Or is that recent? Is that since all this bullshit's gone on? Or yeah, I've had therapy recently. Bef- but nothing before? Um, I did a little bit. And why were you going? He crammed before the test. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to, you know. He uh, failed then. He <laughs> <laughs> got a low score. I failed. Um, uh, really only, I, I did therapy like early on in life, like through my parents' Okay, through the divorce system. And, okay, and, right. So do you still feel insecure? Are those sorts of feelings still around? Yeah, of course okay. I do at times. Right. And that's what I would expect from this kind of a low score. You know, narcissists don't let them feel themselves feel insecure. They just feel big. They feel, you know, they get what they need from the environment to make themselves feel that way. They don't tend to feel insecure. Though if they, if you really get in what's going on under, underneath, they're very insecure. But narcissism is about putting a pseudo self on top, you know. And yeah. Which you might sometimes do when the cameras are rolling. Or would that be a fair assessment? Or is that I too think, harsh? Or is I that just performing? I think. It's authentic, but. I think that I am very comfortable in the fact that I don't know it all. I'm willing to ask questions. I'm willing to accept the fact that I don't know it all. Um, and. I know that I need help in life. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why it was, I I knew that I because I've been around narcissist narcissist yeah. people that have narcissistic traits, yeah. much yeah. stronger ones. Hell, they're on our show. Yeah. And I mean, so I I know like what it's like and I just know that I'm not those people. Right. And I know that like I don't have it all figured out. Do you attract narcissists? I don't think so. Mm. I try not to be around them too much. Mm. It's like I can see it and I get uncomfortable and I don't mm-hmm. like it. And then, I'll, you know, but. Have you ever been involved with alcoholics in romantic relationship where people you worried were had a substance problem? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and how did that go? What, what did you try to do in those situations? I mean. Would you try to fix them? When I have, when I was in relationships with people that had issues, I would always try to help fix that. Okay, it and, was very stressful at times. In a, in a, in a healthy way, or like seeing your complex way. way. But yeah, a healthy way. You said. Well, yeah. Would you stay in the relationships even though they wouldn't get better? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, that's not so healthy. Mm-hmm. So, so, because I'm, I'm kind of 
thinking of a certain kind of situation that, that people are missing. Uh, and so can you talk about this? I have no idea what happened to you. I, I'd heard about it in the, I hear it in the background, you know, and so I know something happened. <clears throat> but were you married or did you have a girlfriend or what was it? I had a girlfriend of nine years and we lived together. We came up together, um, like in this show, like we kind of like our success built together. Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone's identified you guys together, right? Yeah. I mean, they pretty much considered us yeah. married. Right. They were kind of like the last couple standing, the last OG couple and kind of like the model goals couple right and how did it feel when you were being presented as this model and in spite of let's say even before you cheated i'm sure you were already being presented as look at this they're perfect how did you did you have any personal quiet thoughts of your own about that we were always a little misrepresented and i felt a little guilty at times because there was a lot of things that we because per her choice we wanted to keep hidden when do you think for you that relationship kind of was ending. If you hadn't been on TV, maybe maybe a kinder way to ask it, if you hadn't have been on television, how many years before would you have ended this thing? Um, and if you, it's gonna hurt somebody to give me an answer, please don't, but if you can. I don't know exactly that the answer to that because it would kind of come and go. That, that feeling. Yeah probably hard to tell because you were you had this thing you were presenting to the world too I mean, how could you even have those feelings at that point i started to kind of because again like the sexual like um insecurity came mm. back into my life interesting there was a lot of scolding going on in the bedroom there was a lot of like an annoyance and like just in it i felt so defeated and so insecure and when Rachel came about, there was a couple things. First, Rachel is the one you cheated with. Okay. Yeah. I, she was really coming out of her shell, and it was a very exciting thing to see mm. for me. Mm. And I always like when I see, I always want to help people out. Because that's what happened to you, right? Yeah. Mm. And, did somebody help you when you were coming out of your shell? Or were you on your own with that? I kind of was on my own. Okay. Maybe give a shout out to Usher. He was a big source of information. He wasn't around when I came out of my shell. Oh, I thought that was like your... It was that. You told that me that was later. Me. Okay. He was in high school. All right, so Rachel gets, comes out of her shell. You're attracted. They and I'm like that. I'm seeing her like, and I just want to help her. <clears throat> like I go to her like her uh, beauty pageant and I'm like asking her what she's into because I'm like, you should... I'll help you. I'll help you. Like, when you're into Pilates, like, oh. Your I'll... girlfriend wasn't concerned about that when you were No, doing... we all were. We were all collectively you were excited all to see her, her yeah. growth yeah. and her, like, journey. Yeah. And she went from being very introverted mm -hmm. and a people pleaser to more, like, getting her, like, personality. And, like, and it was exciting to watch. And I'm literally, at that time, I was, like, trying to, like, hook her up with Schwartz. And I was very, like, excited about that. Were you a people pleaser at one point? Yeah. I, people, that's I could be, for sure. And, and so this thing happens, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, it like came on to me and yeah. a feeling came over me and I started to feel it. I started to get feelings where I, I could tell. And I know it was, I told you that she reminded me of my first love, mm. Megan. Mm. And like very much so. And when I met Megan at space camp mm -hmm. and she lived in Hastings, Nebraska. Mm. And like, 
it was like that sort of always that yearning feeling that like we would rack up like hundred dollar phone bills. We would see mm. each other maybe once every two, three mm. years. And it was so magical and so exciting. Mm. And she was the most beautiful person on the planet is whatever was to me at that point. And like Rachel, like sort of like the, I had not felt feelings like that mm. since Megan. Could you it was the feeling of being unable to stop yourself. It was once like, that happened. Like you were just sucked the, in. The feeling was so strong. Yeah. That it was like I literally could only think about that. Yeah. And then why not? And I was so stoked and so excited. And all of a sudden I was like, I went from feeling so bleak and so like not like not not enthusiastic about life yeah, to like feeling like borderline manic sometimes yeah. but like let's say that respectfully you were there you were, yeah. there you were watching all this yeah i know yeah what you did were... you, how did you advise him back then uh well i told him just the standard stuff i was like well have you talked to ariana about it and um you know are you and what prevented you from doing that at this point we were opening up our second bar together mm. and Filming, out, doing cameos, working all the time. So there was too much secondary gain to destroy all that. Yeah. I mean, even at the point where I did break up with Ariana, we were both on hold for like a job that paid us. Cause we were, we're like, we were famous. We were like a famous bartending duo, mm -hmm. which there's not a lot of them out there. So mm -hmm. um, we would get a lot of work that way. And mm -hmm. we. Could you have managed to continue to work in spite of being honest with her did you ever think to yourself i've got to tell her i understand there's a career stuff in you know in the balance here is there a way we could keep working together or we could present things to the world and i had this delusional thought that that could happen and schwartz had just gone through a divorce with his wife mm. and i'm thinking to myself like i'm in therapy mm. working with the therapist i had Ariana and I in couples therapy. Oh boy. And I'm trying to do this. What was the therapist, the couples therapist advising you to do? She's like, you, you need to take action. We need to do this. We need to schedule. Like, basically, like, I was. Schedule what? This, schedule what? Like, schedule sex. And no, though, no. I told her my intentions. At that point, my intentions were to, to break up. Oh, so you 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 were honest in therapy that you needed to leave. Yes, we had gone so long without being loving and intimate. No, I get it. I, I, I'm I, surprised it, I, that you was, stayed in as long like as you did. I'm surprised she stayed in as long. Five as she years did. of life. why? Why did she stay in so long? Because to her, it was like, I I, she just I don't know. She didn't know anything else. She couldn't imagine mm. like we had sort of like in a sense grown up together. Yeah, and like when we bought our house together, mm. we had just kind of realized like this is our thirty-year commitment to mm, each other. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Without marriage, that's why that's why marriages are good. You know, yeah. did the therapist advise you guys to break up? Did you think that was a good idea, or when you brought it up, did the therapist think it was a good idea? I didn't tell her what was going on. I, told, I understand. I, I told my therapist what was going on. Okay, with Rachel, I did not tell the couple's therapist. So she was initially advising to like work things, try to work things out, try mm. this for like six months. But I was so insecure about losing Rachel mm. 
that I was like almost like I oh, know I don't I don't I don't know I've already tried everything I want to try I'm I got to like, get out of here yeah and how long did it take did you stay in therapy till everything blew up I did until maybe about a month before it went down mm. and boy the therapist was not listening to you not the couple's therapist no it's just shame I don't think she cared for me too much well, she, I don't know if she cared for you or not, but she just wasn't listening to you because you were pretty clear. What a mess. Yeah. And it, I always kind of thought, well, let me just turn over my cards. You, you sort of seem kind of codependent to me, right? You know what that yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're more on the codependent side and less on the narcissistic I'm, side. I'm definitely codependent. Yeah. And, and codependency is it's a, it's a construct. It's, it's not a diagnosis. It, it's, a, it's a situation where... It's very hard to assert yourself. It very, very. I have it. I have codependency like crazy. I, I had to work on it to be become effective. Your wife dresses you. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, there yeah. you go. If you, you spot it, you got it. And so, but but <laughs> it's really funny. But but it's you're not great with boundaries. And when you see people in pain, you have to make it stop. And you think you have to. You you feel like you have to make it stop because you feel like an empathic person that's concerned for the people. But underneath it, it's your own pain being mobilized that you have to make stop. And you have to be able to distinguish between your pain and other people's pain. And it's very hard for us. It takes a lot of therapy to do that. The other thing is there's a quality to some of these insecurities that feel immature. Do you feel immature with some of this? Um, sometimes. Yeah. I wonder what that is. Sometimes I just like I feel like in life I can't do things all on my own. Like I need mm. help. Like I have an assistant, you know, I have people that help me, which has helped me really move further in life. Yeah, which you've said you like want you life. want that person helping you. You didn't have it. And I would want it. I would way rather have somebody with me in all aspects yeah. to be alone. Yeah, yeah. Always. Like I, even even like performing, like I always wanted to be part of a duo, always. We see how that's kind of codependency too, right? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh oh. What's the matter? Now for you're the one that we've been, even my last band like was a duo. Two, my band before 12, that was years. like a duo, and like we're we like together. Yeah, but I'm not saying don't have friends. No, I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that feeling of needing uh, the other half, that being empty and, and you know insecure. What are these words we use? Um, that's you know being by yourself and figuring out exactly who you are in the world is an important experience. I've had to be very, very vocal about that to people that I'm dating. Mm. What that you needed to be alone or? No, like, because I'm currently dating, but I'm like, I just, I have to warn you that sometimes, like, I am very honest and open and a very loving person. Mm. So I like to, like, be friends and, like, like connect and, like, whatever. But I have to warn people that, like, to keep, keep things from getting too attached too quick right now. Because right. I know I need to, like, take right, some right, time right, right, and right. not get into a serious relationship again. Right. And yet you have trouble with that. And I'm just like... Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'll so that's sort of this person up like every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to tell them, I'm like, please go out on dates. Right. With so, other so people. they, 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 because of the way you behave and the way you make them feel, they don't listen to the words you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and so that's, you know, codependency bleeds into this other construct we call love addiction. 
Yeah. Right. Which is what you're talking about now, even though you might not really be truly love addicted, that boundarylessness of getting so in with somebody, even though you don't want to be there and, and you're pulling back, you're able to pull yourself out. The other person is too far in, but it's not like I'm, and it's not like I'm professing my love or anything. It's, I, I, just, it's, it's a just feeling. It's a out. feeling. It's yeah. like just chatting away. It's the feeling. I feel like you've been microdosing love lately. Yeah. In spurts. Yeah. But you're like kind of more self-aware now and yes. yeah. Yeah, but see, I'm not. I I'm I'm not being sort of. I'm not descriptive of what he's doing. I'm trying to describe what's happening to the other person oh. and why they get sort of shoo in so fast too. And by the way, who you're picking, I'm sure, is part of the deal too. You're picking somebody, whether you know it or not, that is prone to that kind of thing. But it's been cool too. I mean, they have, you know, I have been seeing some people and they talk about other people that they're kind of dating. Okay, good. That must make you feel better. It makes they, me feel so much They better. may be doing it to try to suck you in further, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, no, right? it's not like that. It's, you not, know like, what I mean? it's, yeah. not, it's not making me fight. I, I understand, but they may have that intention. Yeah. You think it's like, oh, good, thank God they're dating. No, and they're pulling, thinking, I've, why isn't he jealous? I've been <laughs> pulling it out of them. I've, I've been pulling, them out of them, pulling it out of them so they like understand like that it's okay. Like I want you to do that. Yeah, good. All right. Yeah. Hmm. I the most concerning thing for me for you, well, it's this whole area of insecurity and immaturity and whatever these words are that that you're describing. How have you been in uh, reality television? Uh, well, we finished 11, 12 years. Oh my God. Yeah. So you started when you were in your late twenties, ish. Yeah. 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 That's that's a way. When I <laughs> television sometimes is a way of. Um, avoiding growing up yeah because it's such an unreal world it's such a it's not you know it's not working on a construction site you know what i mean it's yeah it's very different with a very different set of priorities and things and um it's very also hard to figure out who you are and what i did you do did you have a job were you a bartender before this yes okay and and did you work long in the world before television oh yeah for how long oh i mean i got my first job when i was I mean, I worked at a very young age. Okay, and it's always bartending or something. No, else? no. I mean, okay. I've worked in the, I've worked in the food industry. I feel like a lot of people when they're young, they go to either food industry, yeah. service industry, or like yeah. retail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and true. I, I definitely went the food industry because of the social aspect of it and um, the pace. You know, worked at TGI Fridays, Applebee's. Okay. All sure. right, because I because it is you know it's important for anybody in in any kind of entertainment, frankly, but especially television, especially reality television, to have had a job to yes. have worked in the world yes. it's very important and that's where our show came about as we were all working at uh, yeah. surf for lisa vanderpump yeah and working together living together like taking trips together it was mm. pretty crazy all dating each other like me and schwartz we met on craigslist but we became really good friends roommates and then our friend jacks who i'd known forever from like modeling back in the day like you know it was like my girlfriend my two best friends were with were with my girlfriend and her two best friends you know how did special forces affect you? I was a little, I was obviously aware of the cameras, mm. you know, so I wanted to say all the right things. No, just, piss off just the like shut up, kind of. Yeah. Just not talk and not say anything too, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, I was aware in that aspect to just keep your head down, do your thing. Mm. 
Were you, were you like at every any given moment, you're hyper aware of how the audience might react to what you say after having the whole country hate you for like six months or however long it was? Yeah. I imagine yes. that's inevitable. I just wanted to kind of like, and they wanted you to talk. I'm like trying to tell these guys about my situation, but it was a very, it was unique. The situation's not unique, which in a sense, but the, like how it blew up was pretty unique. How, in how that did it sense. blow up? I like how big it got oh yeah yeah it's ridiculous like it just was so over the top cnn talking about this i mean it was stupid it's the same it's not like you guys go through something different because you're a public figure it's the same thing everybody goes through it's just amplified by you know the and these days there's a whole new layer to it the the virality i mean that never really existed before yeah and Virality, when it's going, feels dangerous, doesn't it? It It really feels like you could get destroyed. It's a mob. Mm. It's a mob action. I literally felt like I was wanted for a triple homicide. Yeah. I had that feeling. Yeah. I've been been the object of a a viral thing a couple times. And it really, I felt felt scared for my family. Mm -hmm. And people get threatening. They'll threaten you all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And so you start to believe, you start to worry about it. You, you never know what's real, what's not. And, it, and it's coming, it's raining down on you. You know, it's just very unpleasant. It, it's, it's not real, but it feels it. This is a bootleg, uh, you know, psychology. But like, I feel like the audience, well, also, first of all, we have a great relationship with them, 12, 11 years, and they've let us in their living room. Yeah. We kind of almost have the parasocial relationship. Well, you do. But then he became... For a lot of people who have been fucked over or hurt, he be, like they kind of purged on you. Well, you became like the. You're, uh, you're putting your finger on the thing, the phenomenon that is so common today. So mobs are dangerous, right? Yeah. We haven't had mobs since French Revolution or something. You know, it's like yeah. that's 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 what mobs are capable of. Or Russian Revolution. I mean, mobs tear people apart. They do horrible things. People lose themselves in mobs. And you're seeing and feeling that it just happens to be on social media. Thank yeah. God. But to your point, what they do, what that mechanism is, is called scapegoating. It's a scapegoating mechanism. And it's actually everybody else's narcissism. Rather than turning their narcissistic rage at each other, they gather and they turn it all on one. And it feels very satisfying. And it's a, it's a bloodlust. It's a bloodthirst. Yes, and the, all the cancellation it. stuff, I mean, they intend to hurt people, and then they do. There is we, a bloodlust. Yeah. Now, now they don't actually act out violently. They act out by people losing their jobs, people losing their careers. Oh, yeah. people losing I their remember reputation. we were doing our book tour, and somebody had made some comments like a decade prior that yeah. were, you know, so they had some like racist comments, I guess. And I went to, when we were talking to the book tour, they were like, I'm not going to say the name, but like they were like, this girl, we're smiling. They're like, has so-and-so been fired yet? They love it. Has they so-and-so love been fired it. yet? Yeah, they love they it. They were like smiling yes. and giddy. Well, yes, if they were here, giddy. they would say it's not cancel culture. It's consequence culture. But well, the thing is, it goes too far. The like, enjoyment but, is the sick part to me. I agree with you. It is extremely destructive. It is humans at their worst. It's it's one thing to call out people and to go hey hey you know yeah. like like I was it's I was at cool. a I was at a uh, big function a lot of people in the room and somebody used the word tranny and this guy behind me got like oh, he was like twenty years old oh 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 my god and he's and the the person ended up like a comedy set at the end he's like boo you transphobe blah blah and I thought 
my friend, if you're actually upset about what that guy said, which I didn't like what he said, you yeah. should go up and tell him and go, hey, dude, I, it didn't strike my ear right. And maybe you're not aware because he really clearly wasn't aware of what he had said. He yeah. Was, he was an older person. He had no idea. And I said, it's, that's not, that word is not okay anymore. Can, I, can, can we change that? Are you okay? As opposed to, yeah, which doesn't change anything. It doesn't help anybody. That person didn't learn anything. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of us are just unhappy and upset. We already didn't like the word. You know, it's just, it's, it's the opposite of actually caring. Yeah. This is grandiose caring. This is me. I'm caring. That's narcissism. Wow. Doing social forces, hearing people like Brian Austin Green, who literally was, you know, immobile for three years, couldn't speak. You know, he, he, it was like he had a stroke. Mm-hmm. Had to learn how to walk again. Um, Bodie Miller lost his, you know, daughter. Um, you know, other people, Jack Osborne, you know, dealing with MS. These these things that people have gone through it really puts things in perspective. Yes. And and you're like, the hell am I complaining for? Like these guys have gone through. I mean, yes, it's my own and it's me, so it's more effective but it just it helps to hear yes that everybody has got their personal struggles their, their... we're all just human beings we're all trying to get through we're all doing our best we all we all very few people are bad yeah so this is this thing this whole notion of good and bad that's they're all bad. they're think. all good that's primitive thinking most people are sort of they can do some bad things in certain situations but they're mostly they intend to be good because they just are weak they have weaknesses they have cowardice they have whatever and and they do things that they wish they hadn't done it got me to also realize that, hey, like, have I been like that sometimes in the past? Mainly to myself. I don't go mm. online and do stuff or whatever. Like, it's not normally my thing ever, really. But I am like, you need to check yourself when you feel like you start getting there where you're, like, angry and, like... Yeah, for sure. I, and by the way, I noticed uh, Bodhi. I, I found it unappealing when you kept beating yourself up. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. I don't know if other people liked it. I didn't like it. Maybe it's because I know. I don't know. I didn't like it. Too much. Stop it. <laughs> That's my advice to you. Stop beating yourself up. It, it's it's. There's other ways to atone. You know, if you need to make an amends, figure out what that is to clean up your side of the street and just do it. Don't beat yourself up. But I noticed that the way Bodhi looked at you. I don't know where your relationship goes with him, but I was like, oh my god, he really is. He feels your pain. Did you, do you know that about him? Yeah. Whoa. I was like, whoa, Bodie, he just was so upset watching you upset. Yeah. Did you, do you guys have a close thing that developed? I, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I thought I saw that last night. When he the looked, other night. like, I guess I can't talk too much about it. Yeah, him. you can't You can't really divulge, but I, I see, yeah, I saw he's that. Like, he's I, like a, I looked up to him so much. He became, well, he's clearly the spiritual center of that group. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it, we, our group was very different than your group. Um, we didn't have that kind of um, tenderness and stuff. We were we were much happier, funnier, different, very social, light. social. No, we weren't light. We got we got in deep with each other, but but it felt more. Um, I don't know. It, there was not that kind of tenderness that you guys had. You guys had a real tenderness together. We couldn't develop it. They we, they beat the shit out of us. They never stopped. And so developing, you know, like like sitting in the the thing when I just saw Bodie's look at you, I don't think we ever had enough time to develop that kind of thing. We were just constantly being beat up. We, we were too a lot. Yeah. Um, but we we had long rides to wherever we were going. Yes, that would happen. Yes. So that was that where happen. we would develop 
that those like because it would take well also see what we had we had another thing that you guys didn't have we were put in quarantine for a week because of covid before we went out to the camp but hold on there were seven of us at this one hotel and we were told stay in your room freaking uh nastia nastia lucan goes fuck that pulls everybody together i know danny i know you come on let's go have a drink that happened that happened with our uh, hotel, but I was actually kept away oh, at a right. different. Well, hotel. it's Nasty became our sort of social glue, and she got us all together. God bless her, because she's really very fun and social. It's really funny and nice, and um, she just pulled us all together, and we just became this group. You know, we didn't. You know, for seven days we were still together, and then that translated out onto the into the desert. So, um, I'm curious. Do you, do you have any advice for me as I start dating again? You know, I kind of feel like you should spend some time alone. And it's kind of what you're doing, it sounds like. You're making effort not to get involved. I I don't mind. Dating is fine. Like, really make an effort to pay attention to who you are and what you want and who other people are as you spend time with them. Like, really kind of assess people and how you feel about them and try to be fully present with that. And have more, um, I, I don't know quite what's going on with all the, the sexual stuff. It, it, it feels like when I think about those early things you were talking about, the dance club and stuff, what, it, what the, in the feeling I have is that you sometimes perceive women as sexually devouring. And when men feel devoured, they go, oh, we shrink, we shrink. Uh, is that accurate or is that... There have been times where I've felt that way. Okay, don't let that happen. That's it's not, not real. anymore. It's not real. It's but I not. think your ex-girlfriend got you to there again. <laughs> got yeah. you in some sort of zone. It has been, it has zone. been a while since I felt Yeah, that. but she got you into that. Whatever that zone is, you got to examine that more carefully. And don't be afraid to talk to women about that and your feelings about it. you got to bring it into the room and see what people say. You know, see how they react and then how you feel about it. You know, I feel but, like I'm gotten my mojo back in that aspect and but you but a lot of the stuff you you gloss over things you know what i mean you you you're like okay i'm done with that now i'm good, I'm good. <laughs> it's like you got you're gonna you're gonna have to like because your boundaries aren't great yeah you have to build them you have to you know, keep like working on them working them out all the time i haven't and spent a lot of time alone i gotta i gotta admit some time alone and even when you're with little, somebody little needy mm. And even when you're, when you've said that, you've been very clear about it. I need that other person, even if I'm, you know, I always have to have the other person. That's not good. I mean, it's, it's great because you're quite capable of that. But it's also not good because you need to develop some stuff around you that's yours. And even when you're dating, still approach it that way, right? Not that I'm going to go in or this person's going to so go. Because that, that them going in too far is another devouring thing, right? Yeah. They go in too far and they pull me and they devour me. You know, and that, I think the devouring is both scary and gratifying for you both. Be careful. <laughs> to, I think it's. A, I feel like right now, mm-hmm. I feel like I have a governor on my love, or like I, I'm not. Not that I'm not vulnerable, mm-hmm. but I just having recently gotten divorced. It's mm-hmm. not. I don't, I'm, it was very healthy and amicable. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like you have an internal ceiling on the like? I, I'm not willing to fully fall in this love is that, right now. This is that boundary thing? Yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I can, and I, 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 I'm a romantic for life. I always will yeah. be, but I just cannot. 
fall head over heels in love right now. I, I, I not either. I'm not letting. Be me. careful. I have basically the bitch. same thing. Yeah, like I, if I find myself, I'm like, okay, I need to like take a couple days, few days break from this person. Yeah, that's healthy, right? Or is that is that a red it, flag? It, it, no, no, it's very healthy. But but I'm again the fact that. <laughs> When you say a few days, it makes me think, well, you must have spent a few days with. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, and believe me, then they're going to start assuming things. You're going to, yeah. you, you got to, you got to be. But I'm also, but I'm very, I'm very transparent. I'm very. They don't hear your words. They, they hear your behavior, actions. your action. <laughs> and oh, so man. you have to understand what oh. another person is experiencing. And you're, and you're, because you're a co, you'll be able to feel it. You'll know. You just got to be honest, honest with yourself about it. So. I might be a co-light. You are a little bit. The fact the way you just talked about needing a, a limit okay. of love and stuff. That's but all. Not like him. Not like him. So, you know, being in the public eye as you have been, mm-hmm. have there been times where you, you know, have had to make a personal decision that you that are a big personal decision that you maybe would have made differently if you hadn't been in the public eye? Um, never when it comes to patient care. Never when it comes to my family. Out in the world, I, I just have a sort of a Kantian rule, the Kant's first law, which is, you know, operate as though your behavior could be used as a universal principle. In other words, behave as though a camera's going all the time. Yeah. I, I try to live like that. Then when I am on the camera, sometimes I will say things which I know to be true and I could stand by them. I say them sometimes in a little ways that I wish I had toned it down a little bit because it becomes hubristic at a certain point. So hubris is the one thing I worry about. Um, and if, if any, too candid, too certain, oh, too, okay. too, too, too uh, okay. certain and worked up about something, opinion. Uh, and if it's wrong, which I can be wrong like anybody, I just, I just kind of know when I'm right. But even if it looks like I'm wrong in the short term, like I've had to deal with that with COVID, where it looked like I was wrong, lo and behold, it turned out I was right. But in the meantime, I have to eat shit. Yeah. Uh, so it makes you it makes you think about you know how you present yourself. And I think to, for me personally, keeping a handle on hubris is a good idea. I don't want to be hubristic. Are there any? I'm curious because I know obviously you've been you know did the uh, ask of physician right yeah and then you did the uh oh different shows and stuff yeah yeah were there were there was there like a moment during doing those shows back then where you really learned a valuable lesson dealing with constantly yeah 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 was there any that like stick i'm just curious because i like you know it's just uh, so many little ones i mean just they they weren't so much nothing what do you kind of thing you're thinking of maybe like somebody calls love line they're telling you a story or something and you possibly like hear them completely wrong yeah yeah i'm sure i've had stuff like that <laughs> or like and you I, say something or, or like yeah. during like it feels so bad when that happens i feel so <laughs> bad if anything like that happens or like corolla would like back in the day you know you you guys play you guys played off Whatever each other it is, he still does no you still have it. i know but like i remember like like sometimes you'd be talking deliberately and professionally about like yeah um, you know, proper uh, inser- proper you insertion of anal beads, and then Corolla would be like, "Hey, you know, it'd be hilarious if you pull the anal beads out and you yeah. had a lampshade at the end or some yeah. shit like yeah. that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he was tr- he he had a different. He would be upset if that was if he heard this analogy. Sorry, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> or maybe that was I don't know. I remember. But I know what you mean. Um, oh. but 
it, yeah, I mean, he had, we had different jobs to do. Of course, know, he, he and it worked. Kid. It was every yeah. yeah, it was a hit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, know. that that kind of thing where where I I don't like getting things wrong. I don't like it. I, and if it's something that could affect somebody or make them feel bad, I mean, I think again, whenever I'm not thinking about how another person feels, that's how you get into trouble. Mm. You know, if you you have to always imagine how the things you're saying is impacting on other people. That that's a million little lessons yeah to get good at that you know wow that's uh, because sometimes you how just does that not put you in your head well it's not, i mean you get kind of used to it but sometimes you just i would forge forward with information and it would like it would strike the other person in such a way devastating yeah and i'm like oh, oh no no I, I'm, oh geez oh my god you know it's like ah yeah. not what i think i'm hyper paranoid of that maybe it's the minnesota nice thing but i'm hype maybe maybe borderline detrimental sometimes what are you afraid do. to speak? Well, I'm just so I'm very I, I, I don't want to pump myself up here, but I'm very, very, very considerate of other people's feelings yeah. and how they may react or respond to what yeah. I'm saying, um, which isn't always best for reality TV, but uh, alcohol right. helps. Um, yeah, they'll yeah. get rid of that. <laughs> and, and sometimes yeah. he just like hits his limit and then he just like lets it let it rip. Well, we don't have to talk about me. <laughs> no, no, we can't. What, what, what's, what's, what are you talking about? What's going on in here? Um, what's going on, Tom? What did you see? Um, well, oh, no, he's just. That. Oh, he's, he's always he's always a big advocate for uh, mental health and, and you know being proactive about therapy, and I love that. See, I'm always I'm always I don't think I'm above it, mm. but I'm like my therapy is snowboarding, my dogs, mm. maybe the occasional beer mm. or um, vacationing. Mm-hmm. traveling not mm-hmm. you know like going exploring new culture that's, new food. i mean that's all great that is not therapy but it, it's something to make you feel better you know sometimes i've done it in the past yeah. and i i enjoyed it but um therapy I, is rewiring your brain a little yeah. bit so getting things you know setting up a different sense of yourself and other people and it's a very different thing i think if he's you, too guarded to do therapy no what i'm not guarded <laughs> i'm so not guarded um Wait, can kidding. he talk about his feelings Oh, I love. I, I think sometimes he has a hard time talking. Like he can be have a. I can say no. I, I can be like, no, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. Not it. it not in, not stoic in a good way, but mm. overly stoic. Yeah. As like okay. a pre. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. By the way, I think I just saw you do Ryan Holiday's podcast. Did you do Ryan Holiday's podcast? Many times. R- I, Ryan, I I am am sort of responsible for Ryan Holiday. He was I a. Love him. You should. Yeah. He he was a college kid, and I was giving this presentation to a bunch of college newspaper people, with a journalist or something. And at the end of this little presentation about condoms, actually, I think as I remember, it was years ago, this kid comes up to me and goes, hey, "What are you What are you reading these days?" And I go, "What am I reading?" I go, "Look, dude, I." And the dude was Ryan Holiday, and he must have been twenty or something at the time. And I said, "I I read. I'm an eclectic reader." I, I he goes, "Well, I just want to know what you're reading." I go, "Well." I'm reading this work called The Enchiridion by Epictetus. He's a Stoic philosopher. Yeah. He goes, okay, I'm going to read it. And I go, okay, man, it's it's not light lifting. And that started his Stoic journey. That's so cool. Isn't that crazy? His memory, oh. his, I'm always blown away by his ability to just pull up random quotes. Yeah, he just knows. He and, knows. Well, um, particularly as Marcus Aurelius, he, he lives by that. I, I like every day I wake up with the... Um, the, the, daily, me- the daily yeah, Stoic. The meditation. Digestible. Yeah. yeah. That's my therapy. I like Jack yeah. Reacher novels. <laughs> Those are awesome too. <laughs> no, it's it's a, you know, people argue whether Stoicism is a philosophy or not because they don't really have a cohesive system. But it is certainly a series of almost aphorisms for living. Yeah. And, you know, that's what philosophy is supposed to do, help you lead a good life. So in that sense, it is a philosophy. Yeah. 
See, I don't, yeah. I, 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 I tend to, I've, I've read a lot throughout my life mm. and I've, I've learned a lot. I went to college, but uh, I'm like, I was thinking the other day, man, I've retained so little and, and I didn't put a lot of that knowledge into action. Mm. Was it a waste of time? No, but the people I met along the way. Where'd you go to college? FSU, Florida mm-hmm. State University. Um, no, and I made great friends there and I wouldn't change anything. That is quite from Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's like, so I didn't know what else to do growing up. I, I was like, you know, I was graduated high school and I was like, my God. I mean, secretly, I knew what I wanted to do. What? I, I wanted what to be want? an actor, but I was like ashamed of it. Oh, yeah. I was like, I just. Are you doing acting in addition to reality stuff? Um, no, I, I, like, I just was starting to audition for like uh, theatrical stuff when mm-hmm. Vanderpump Rules started. And I had one foot in, one foot out because mm. I thought I was an artist. Uh. Meanwhile, my only credentials were a Kohl's commercial. How did you, uh, how did you, obviously, you know, one of the reasons people are afraid to talk about things like that is when their family wants you to do something else. My, well, my, my dad was, he was always an enthusiast for whatever I wanted to do, but his dream for me was to be a doctor. I was going to say cardiothoracic surgery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's always like, because he was a hustler. I mean, he always had like three jobs and yeah. um, he was an entrepreneur, but he mm. just was like, man, I, one regret in my life. I, I wish I would have been a doctor. Mm. I'd love to see you be a doctor mm. and thrive as a whatever a specialist podiatrist mm. it's a lot know. different than uh when he was training yeah and, and growing up i mean you know you would have come to it at a very different time than his yeah. that's that's one of the things i've noticed is that you know from my generation advising people your age and younger it's it's such a different world it's so different it's hard to yeah almost understand what you guys are looking at yeah. and, and this whole mob thing that's that's that is loose it, it's, it's it's really bad. Mobs are not good. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad that I had, you know, I'm in a cover band. I'm in a nine-person cover band. Yeah, I love it. What do you cover with nine players? Um, just everything from Chicago to... Earth, Wind, and Fire? We don't Maze do that. Brass we, could do, we could do that. We have a brass section. Wow. Um, I also play trumpet. But, nice. Um, yeah, we have That's female funny. singer. We have keyboardist we do 80s 90s 2000s 70s whatever like we do the weekend we do cake by the ocean billy ocean just all, all over the place muse uh wolf mother then like working for the week like we're all over the place and uh we had concerts booked you know when this hall broke and mm-hmm. i was able to like go out and people were just like we didn't know you know it was a way of disarming the mob mm-hmm by going around and doing these shows mm. and people seeing and, and interacting with me mm. as a human being versus as a vile well that that, that is the that is the whenever people have studied these kinds of things when somebody gets dehumanized whether it's because of race or because of something they did or whatever you know or some political leader dehumanizes a group whatever it might be contact is always the way to mitigate that mm. yes the humanity comes rushing back in. yeah yeah i learned it, that yeah we learned that i feel like we had such great practice for that. He didn't mm. as much, but yes, he did. I got roasted pretty good. Well, oh, no, you saying, because of being involved with yeah, Tom? yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, as far as how to deal with people, because even like other people on the networks, like Housewives and you know other, they're they're not. We were in an environment where people could watch an episode of Vanderpump Rules and then go in to Sir and get a cocktail from me or Jax and be waited on by Stassi and or Katie or whoever. And, you know, seasons one through, I mean, I stayed one of the longest um, through four or five. 
I'm there talking to people and you just get used to, you're not only dealing with people, you're dealing with people in an, mm-hmm. in an environment where they're drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I would have to cut people off. But even so, I learned that when people argue, they're in an argument, if you get in and you start pushing one person away, they push back. They push back instinctually mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. even thinking about it. Yep. If you guys were talking, I just literally put my hand yep. on your chest, you would start leaning forward. Yep. yep. You could be talking about football game Mm -hmm. and so um i would you know in this situation they'd be like security do you want to have security like whatever and i'm like no i don't and i would go immediately and put my arm around somebody and Mm. then just immediately calm down Mm. and you know dealing with people on the road you know after shows i would go take pictures with everyone talk to everyone Mm -hmm. super polite super nice connect with them well, this yeah, is this it was is great. It just it was. This is the other solution for dealing with social media moms, which is if you are a good person and you do have something worthwhile to offer and say, keep moving forward and keep saying it, because eventually, whatever this crisis was sort of fades away, and they're on to the next one, yeah. because again, the bloodlust is always there. They just get to the next one, the next one, the next one, and you have to be careful of not re-triggering something or making them feel justified in not liking you because of misspeaking not because you did something wrong you just said the wrong thing you got to be really careful oh yeah and they're so, very glad that, you know it's gonna be on a little no that's still pretty bad anything i say is is taking well they the remember that i know and remember they want to feel justified in their bloodlust and so they're looking for it all the time say, ah this is a horrible I, mean, I told you it was a horrible person yeah. Don't people have the self-awareness to like be embarrassed by that behavior though? Like I, they do. That's why they, they they don't let that in. That's why they look for you to give them something else to confirm that they did the right thing trying to destroy you. Left to their own devices, they would feel terrible. Think of some of the things we have seen particularly lately with the world situation where if somebody does something and gets in trouble and you really didn't agree with what they were doing, you, you might not get online and talk about it. You might secretly feel kind of like, yeah, they might feel good. And that's a normal human thing. Don't don't lean into it and don't like it. You, you shouldn't like that you're no, that I, way. I, I, you I don't when I felt that way. Yeah. You know, I, even bullies, you know. Right. I, when you see the bullies get there, you think, mm-hmm, you know, good, good. Yeah, but, but you I'm don't very, really, it's, I, it's always, they have their, they're also suffering in some way. Yeah. And I tried to, but I, Maybe I'm guilty of having those thoughts, just like we're guilty of our, you know, fantasizing about things or whatever. But like to act on them is one thing I like. I mean, to go online and go at somebody. That's yeah, to like, me, that's the most bizarre instinct. Or, in the world. or, or even but just, it's narcissistic. Or to see people on, on on talk shows, you know, yeah. like these four women on the View every day, just like just literally, they talked about me uh, in such a negative way. Uh, about every little thing I did for over a month. You should go in there. Yeah. Oh, well. That'd be awesome. Okay. I'll take that. would be really, really interesting because I, I know most of them, and they're not like they are on TV. I'm surprised at that, in fact, some of the stuff they get into. I know, into. like, this girl's like, oh my, just like, this girl just, like, goes in on me, talks about, like, pretty much what a piece of shit I am garbage human being and they're like wow you should be a therapist and I'm thinking to myself like or a psychologist not, not like that not if you're behaving like that what is the number one rule about being <laughs> yeah, a therapist right. or psychologist like right. you're uh, you're able to be objective in a situation but they they have jobs <laughs> but they too like, have you're like showing 
You're, well, not just objective. You don't judge and you don't yeah. you don't attack and all that I'm stuff. I'm like but, mind blown. But they um, they have jobs to do. They're each playing a role at that table, and they each have to do certain jobs. And objectivity Maybe, but, can be boring. But it's like yeah. the enjoyment I see. Yeah, it's not good. You, you were sport for a while. I, it looks and you should, I would love to see you go in there and go. You guys really hurt me. You, you and it made. I had to. I was scared for my life. You fueled it. You don't know me. There's a lot to this story that I'm sure you don't know. Even Jerry O'Connell, when he came on, he was like, you know, Tom, the reason why I think people were disappointed is because we thought you were more righteous than that. What does that mean? Like we thought you always seemed like more of a more stand-up human being. than You were trying to be. That's why you got caught in this thing. You couldn't get out. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of the people on my show... Was, Jerry, was Jerry telling shit about you too? Yeah, and he was cool when you brought him in here. Yeah, he wanted to. He apologized. He's a he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. You know, I'm just thinking about stuff you need to do going forward. Um, it's a lot of it is about getting boundaries around who you are and what your competencies are and your efficacies and your, who you are in relationships. Yeah, that, and that takes some time. You got to give yourself that time. It's not sexy, but it's objective and healthy and productive. And, and, and then keep your head down and keep going forward and doing good things. And if you need to make amends, do you know what amends is versus an apology? Amends are not apologies. Amends is cleaning up your mess. You know, whatever you need to do. Some people need to go to prison to clean their mess up. Some people need to, I don't know, you know, give something to somebody. Whatever. They got to make, th- make, make it right. Make everything right. That clean it up. That is why I... People are like, have been like roasting me and grading me, saying that like your apology wasn't good. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. It wasn't. They've always had problems with it. I'm like, I don't want to apologize. I'd rather just like, like do it with action. Yes, words are cheap. It's it's always important. Just the way people work, it's important to go. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Here's what I did wrong, and here's what I'm gonna do to get make it right. And yeah. then do it. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And that's what I want to do is is to to set to to get back to why I feel like or what fulfills me in my life. And that is being taking a situation and leaving it better than when I came to it. Continuing to help people out. Like because I get fulfillment out of that. You know, like being a positive influence on somebody in the day. Of course. Saying hi to somebody, cheering somebody up. I st- also have a feeling that you need to become someone a little different than who you are. I know what the, I don't know what I'm saying when I say that, but I, when I talk about the immaturity part, I feel like there's some some personal growth that needs to go on here and and you have to let it happen whatever that is. Mhm. I, I don't know what the you never you never tell what people need to grow into, but you need to grow into something. Um, five kids you think maybe that's it i don't know i i maybe you know a dad it's some it's gonna be something uh and and if once you are that something so much of this is going to be much easier to tolerate and understand and integrate into your life story yeah Hmm? makes sense yeah yeah it's tough man it is tough it doesn't make it any less tough yeah it It doesn't tough it's gotten and, uh, it's it's gotten easier and you know I'm moving forward and and you know I I had some dark times. I'm I feel like I'm over that. I'm out of that. So um you know I just want to 
continue moving ahead and just doing stuff. I feel like you do things, you just keep doing things. It, it, it like, it, it moves time forward. It gets you to that, to that next place. Have you aired any of these yet? The podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. How are people receiving them? Um, pretty good. Here's what I'm just thinking. Yeah. This isn't really for air, but it's a lot about you in this. And I'd like to see you pay attention to some other people and see oh, what you're, you know. I, 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 and yeah. that's again, yeah. like, you know, I didn't even know today, like, I didn't even plan for this to be like this. Yeah, today. I didn't know, I didn't know what we were going to do either, but here we are. I was going to talk, you know, about your, you know, past right. and different things. And, but yes, I don't want, this is not what I want it to be. I want to talk about people yeah. that I have. On. I talk about my shit all the time. Don't worry about it. Other people, people have heard my shit. They might have <laughs> Corolla makes me talk about it all the time. So I, I'm bored talking about my shit. Yeah. You've been through to, something extraordinary. That's, that's I get a little self-conscious, exactly how I feel. Yeah, yeah. you know, talking about, you know, myself. Cause I, I know like I have a tendency and, well, my friends care. know that they can tell me. No, but listen, you're in pain right now. And when you're in pain, it's hard not to talk about the, what you're in pain about. And yeah. and once you get kind of through it, then you'll you know, spread out and do other stuff. Yeah. I mean, they, if anyone understands what I'm saying, if I took a hammer and hit my finger, it'd be very hard for me to talk about Tom. I would just be thinking about my finger and my pain all the time. That's the way pain works. If it's psychic pain, physical pain, whatever it is, it's very hard to focus on other people's stuff when you are in pain. That's true. And then I guess too, also because of what it was in the public, like people want to ask me questions and talk about it too when I have guests on. Mm. Mm. Well, I was kind of intrigued because I didn't know anything. And, and the fact that it was something that was in the background all over the place, it just seemed, all odd, seemed odd to me. It just seemed odd. And, uh, and, it's, I'm, and nothing you said, I mean, it all was very revealing to me and, and touching, frankly, but none of it was surprising. No surprise. Yeah, I really appreciate everything man like i I'm, I'm very thankful that you i well i wasn't thinking that we were going to talk all about this stuff yeah i didn't i didn't know for sure either but but people interest me and you interest me and, and i when we met at the the thing i i you caught my attention i i just because i just kept thinking this is the guy they've been talking about this is it didn't fit for me you know really yeah and it's like it's like <laughs> you oh. me to look more like a like somebody from like love island or uh maybe or, or it just it, it just i don't know i knew something wasn't right about the story the fuck boy island is what yeah. i was thinking about <laughs> but but no it was yeah maybe more that but something it's because it, because i i don't know i because i wasn't paying attention to it I, I didn't really wasn't aware of it but i thought you know i was i could feel that you were in pain because of it and you were trying to make things better and then i'm watching you in special forces and i'm you know relating to those experiences very strongly personally having been through stuff like that. And I didn't like you beating yourself up so much. I, I didn't like that. So, and so I, especially now that I know the whole sort of landscape here. And, and you know, people are going to criticize me for being too soft on you or for too forgiving. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, yeah. And, and what am, well, I'm, I'm one of those two. I don't judge people. I don't yell at people. I, I don't, this whole idea of confronting is a, there's no such thing in, in, in interpersonal health. You know, like, don't you know how you hurt people? Yeah, he fucking knows how he knows. He, yeah. He's fucking living it for the last how many months? Yeah. Year? He know, of course people know. The confrontation, that does not, that doesn't. Here's And by the way, if you really do, let's say I'm taking a heroin addict. And I go, don't you know what you're doing to your family? Or you need to stop that drug. Boom. 
defenses are up and you get nothing done at that point. You can't find anything out. You can't move that person forward. They just feel abused. And that is not how you, how you interact with people to learn about them and, and empathize with their experiences. Well, thank you so much for sure. Yeah. My pleasure. Cheers. This is awesome. Cheers. Good to meet you guys. So yeah. nice Good to spend a little time yeah. with you. I'm yeah. glad we met the other day at the Special Forces thing. And I uh, hope you guys, that group stays together. You should kind of have reunions. So our guys yeah. still, all, we talk all the time. And We've stuff, been but... watching the episodes as much as we can together. Yeah. I just had everybody over. Um, Good. Yeah, you're more than welcome to come if you ever do. Oh, that might be fun. Yeah. Because it's an interesting group. It's a good group. I have I have a karaoke set up at my house. Oh, <laughs> That's how you realize you went with the karaoke. It's, it's fun. It's fun.